Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Rainy Market Minute. Today is Tuesday, April 26th, and this is episode number 110. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host and the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. Thank you so much for being here. Um, as always, nothing in this video is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. Okay, this is going to be a pretty quick episode today. Um, not a whole lot to discuss. There are some very interesting um, elements to the fuel cycle that I think are worth mentioning in the mailbag section today. Had some questions come in to me about a tweet I made yesterday about a very large jump in the price of long-term SWU, which is the cost of enrichment, but I will get into that in more detail in the mailbag section. I'm going to run through the, the scoreboard. Talk about the spot price, the uh, spot flows, ETF flows, and we will look at the charts. I have a couple of interesting charts I wanted to share with you today. So starting off with the spot price of uranium, down slightly today, 53.50 a pound mid-market, down from 54. Yesterday, mid-market, we had a really wide bid and ask spread yesterday, 52 uh, on the bid, 55 on the ask. Those have both come in a bit here. Um, we saw. I mentioned yesterday that there was some manipulative action in the spot market last week. Um, this happens pretty frequently. There are some prominent traders that have forward month offtake agreements with producers that are priced at the month end price. And so uh, when the conditions are there, oftentimes these traders will take advantage of that and uh, manipulate the price down a bit to try to get some uh, less expensive offtake going forward. Also hearing that there are uh, potential issues with Uranium on shipments coming from Russia and some traders uh, uh, trying to sell off those pounds that are on the on the boat, essentially, that might not be able to be delivered to them or be delivered to uh, the buyer because of implications from Russian shipping or shipments that were coming from Russia that had uranium on those shipments. So um, that's kind of a, a very vague um, explanation, potentially. But really what we're talking about here is further um, disruptions due to the continued conflict in Ukraine. And that is just one of many um, having to do with the actual shipping, not necessarily even the buying and the selling, but the actual shipping of material that had been purchased uh, previously. So we have been hearing that. Um, I don't want to confirm that or deny that, but um, that is something that we've been hearing. So between that and some traders uh, trying to, to have an influence on the price for the month end pricing is what we're seeing in the markets here with Sput Quiet. So with that said, SPUT uh, yesterday did not take in any new money. They did not buy any, any uranium. They're likely not to buy any more uranium until they do take in new funds here because they're only sitting on about $28 million in cash. The total nav of SPUT dropped just below $3 billion. Primarily, this has been a, a decline due to the spot price decline more than anything here. Um, year to date, they're still at 14.1 million pounds in purchasing and 750 million in new capital raised. Uh, three quarters of a billion dollars in just over the first three months of the year. So they're off to a good start, even with this pause that they've been on for the last few weeks. Um, yesterday, SPUT closed at a discount of 1.79% to their net asset value, bringing that in a little bit the previous day. Uh, they had closed at over a 6% discount to NAV. So we continue to be in that discount to the net asset value range with uh, uh, investors not coming in in force to arbitrage that discount yet. But uh, like I said, they sit on uh, 28.3 million in capital and they're unlikely to spend any of that going forward until they can raise new money. 
Turning to the ETFs, yesterday URA reported a decrease in outstanding shares of 130,000 shares and no change for URNM. It's about 2 million in mandated selling. Again, these have delays, so that is likely uh, that is likely share redemptions from last week. That was either Thursday, possibly Friday. Most likely that was Thursday. So really not a lot in terms of um, in terms of outflows. So that's really interesting to note because we had an incredibly gnarly down day uh, last Thursday and expected, honestly, to see more outflows, at least from URA. We did hear that day that URNM did not have any outflows or any redemptions on that day, but um, URA did, but still only $2 million worth of mandated selling from from those outflows. So really not that bad. Uh, So money continues to come into the ETFs, even with this type of action, which is interesting to note. Um, All right, let's go ahead and take a look at the charts. I first wanted to share with you what I thought was a very interesting chart here. This is URA relative to the S&P. The S&P 500, obviously, um, you know, the largest broad market index and um, URA being the largest uh, uranium ETF, also the longest standing uranium ETF. URNM uh, is more of a a accurate representation of uranium miners as is a 100% pure play to exposure to uranium miners, but URA has been in, in existence since late 2010. As you can see, since its inception, it is vastly underperformed the S&P 500 to the point where if I zoom out far enough, it looks like it hasn't even moved to the upside, right? That's how early we are in terms of an actual rotation of capital. And we do believe that we will see continued rotation of capital. Then we see we, that we have outperformed the S&P from this bottom October of 2020, of course, uh, if you were invested at the time, uranium really took off in December of 2020. That was really sort of the beginning of the real bull market in uranium equities. So we're still only a year and a half into this thing, and we think it could run for multiple years. Um, So this is just very, very early stages of this outperformance of URA relative to the broad market. And we are in a bullish uptrend. This 200-week moving average is moving up for the first time literally within the past maybe six weeks. Um, And we have the 50-week crossing above that and the 20-week sitting right on top of the 50-week. So this is a bullish chart. This is a bullish chart of URA relative to the S&P. I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to share that with you all. So let's take a look at the daily chart of URA. Today, we were down a bit, down about 1.76% on the day. Uh, compared to the S&P that was down almost 3% on the day and closed at its lows of the day. So a little bit of outperformance, despite the fact that we were down today. Let's bring those volume charts back up. Volume dropping off as well. So that's positive to see. Um, I always like to see the volume diminish at the end of a down move uh, before we resume an uptrend, which we believe that we will. Does that mean that happens tomorrow? No. Do I believe that we will close, uh, close this downtrend and resume an uptrend before um, breaking below this trend line at the lower lower part of this accumulation cylinder? Yes, I do. Um, how soon will that happen? I don't know. But either way, like I mentioned in depth yesterday, this is a long-term play for us, even though we do look at these things on a daily basis. Brock Physical Uranium Trust also down today 1.85%, with the spot price staying relatively flat. We're still right around that 2 probably 2 to 3% discount to NAV. Still waiting on new money to come into this, though we are off the lows of this pullback. Um, MACD on the low end is holding this lower trend line. So I think we're close to a reversal for the spot price of uranium and therefore for uh, SPUT. 
once we get through this month and smash down that we just experienced last week, and it's likely to stabilize this week, perhaps we will see some new inflows after we bottom out with this, with this particular cycle low. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cameco down 2.3% on the day, still trading in this range where we've seen some previous resistance and a bit of previous support. Likely to chop around here. I would like to see it stay somewhere around this 50-day moving average. It has been leading the sector, which is why we watch this chart as well. All right, so what's going on in the fuel cycle? Um, we saw a uh, price report from UXC. Now, UXC is uh, probably the largest uh, nuclear fuel consultant. Trade Tech is another very prominent one. Um, where they've reporting, they've been reporting. Uh, well, first of all, we've been hearing that there's been some very high prices paid in long-term SWU. What is long-term SWU? Okay, first of all, SWU stands for separative work unit. It's essentially the price of enrichment. It's the cost of enrichment. Um, you, you calculate enrichment in SWU, and that is what's paid by utilities when they contract for their feedstock UF6 to be enriched into EUP or enriched uranium, enriched uranium product. So we saw the price of long-term SWU. So there's spot SWU and long-term SWU. Spot SWU, um, I guess in some ways, it's similar between the long-term market and the spot market of uranium of U308. So spot SWU would be prices paid uh, within a 12-month period. Long-term SWU is exactly that. It's longer-term contracts for uh, a period of time stretching out beyond a 12-month period where we'll actually see um, contracts signed by utilities for the long term, just like you would with UF6, with conversion, with U308. Um, and so what, we're, what we saw was a spot, uh, spot SWU jump from $72 to $120. And that was a week over week jump. Now, it doesn't mean that the price just jumped from one week to the next period. No, that means that the, the price reported had jumped over that one week period. It had been stuck at 72 for a while after jumping up from the 60s um, about six weeks ago. And so uh, long-term SWU, uh, essentially what this means is there are utilities that are seeking out enrichment contracts in the long-term and are paying up for it. So what to, to kind of culminate what is essentially kind of a complex set of variables, what this means is that we're seeing enrichers having to overfeed their, their centrifuges in order to produce more SWU, in order to produce more enriched uranium, and that affects the price. So uh, not only does it affect the price in that utilities will have to um, add more UF6 as feedstock, and the enrichers will have to raise their tails assays in order to enrich the uranium more quickly to get to that end product, but the cost is going to go up simply due to um, capacity constrictions and demand increase. So we're seeing exactly what we thought we would see, which is an increase in demand coming from utilities for enrichment. And we are seeing all elements of the fuel cycle move up, but this is the first jump that we've seen in enrichment that is absolutely huge. So um, we saw a big jump in conversion last month. Uh, conversion really is kind of no, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a bigger story, but it's already a bottleneck. There's already a bottleneck in the conversion process of the fuel cycle uh, that's already had some capacity constrictions due to Convertine's Metropolis plant closing in 2018. And so we saw large moves in conversion last month, but um, this is the biggest move we've seen in enrichment in a very, very long time. And um, somebody commented somewhere down the, the thread, uh, the comment thread from my tweet yesterday reporting on that price movement that uh, this was the first domino to fall. And I think that was a really interesting comment. 
Um, I apologize. I'm not giving credit to the person that said that because I went back to try to look for it. I couldn't find who said it, but I remember reading it yesterday. So whoever that was, thank you for that comment. Um, the first con the first domino to fall. So what does that mean? Enrichment is at the end of the fuel cycle. Uh, utilities, whenever they have a perceived supply constraint, and in this current situation, that is primarily obviously coming from the war in the Ukraine, Russians' uh, invasion of Ukraine, and the sanctions that could potentially be placed on Russian uranium products. Um, so that and primarily uh, Russia affects the conversion and the enrichment market. So utilities that uh, maybe seeking out enrichment in the future are going to be seeking that enrichment elsewhere for the most part, even though they don't technically have sanctions coming from either the US or the EU in terms of importing that material or coming from Russia in terms of exporting that material. That is not happening yet, but they are self-sanctioning. They're expecting that it is possible for a future contract to be cut off due to sanctions. Therefore, um, they are seeking this enrichment elsewhere. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing a demand increase and a price increase for the long-term price of SWU, of enrichment. And why is that the first domino, not the last domino? Because it's at the end of the fuel cycle. Anytime utilities will see potential uh, supply constraints going forward out into the future, they're going to make an effort to access material towards the end of the fuel cycle first. Why? Because they can get it sooner. They can get their end product, which is fabricated fuel, sooner. If they start at enrichment, if they start at EUP, then they can just have that that process and then the fabricated fuel process and then the delivery of that fuel. And that's all they have to deal with with that fuel cycle. They can buy that enrichment. Of course, if they already own U308 or UF6, or they're also oftentimes what is what will happen is a utility will sign contracts with all elements of the fuel cycle, not necessarily simultaneously, but in close proximity to each other. So they'll secure their U308, secure their conversion, secure their UF6, and they'll go ahead and secure that enrichment. So the fact that we're seeing a big jump in SWU really means that uh, we expect large movements like this could very well and likely are going to happen um, in the future. Now, when I say in the future, I'm not talking five years from now. I think that we can measure, um, we can expect moves to trickle down into UF6 and into U308, especially because of course, that's what we invest in, right? We invest in the U308 miners. So it's the U308 price that really affects the stocks that we are holding and that we are investing in and plan to ride for this bull market. When will this U308 price react in a similar manner? Do we expect it to jump? What was that? That's a 60% jump uh, from week over week. Do we expect U308 price to make a similar jump? No, we don't. But we do expect more consistent and larger price rises, rises coming from this trickle down in the fuel cycle. When will that happen? Um, I don't think we can measure that in weeks, but I think we can measure that in months um, rather than years. And so... We are, are very excited to be positioned for that. And I wanted to share that with you guys because um, the thesis in terms of the movements in the fuel cycle due to uh, obvious supply and demand fundamentals, but the, um, the exogenous event of this conflict creating trickle-down effects across the fuel cycle that we are actually now starting to see. And that then will trickle down all the way to the beginning of the fuel cycle, which is U308. This is coming and um, we're looking forward to that obviously. Okay. Thanks for watching. I will see you guys tomorrow. Be well. Cheers.